0: Over the last couple of weeks, we've given you some truths that you should consider. And the name of our message series is Many Gifts, One Spirit. The Bible tells us that there are spiritual gifts that God gives to his people. And he wants to bless you with one or more of them. And so I've got a couple things just to recap from the last two services, two sermons um, about. And they are these truths to remember. Spiritual gifts are super natural abilities given by God to his people. So important that you understand that. It is possible that God calls someone who is not naturally bent towards being an extrovert to be in public speaking and give them supernatural ability. But a lot of times, or more often than that, God uses the design he's already put inside of you and just heightens that to a whole new level by giving you a supernatural gift. The purpose of the gifts that we talk about in this series is to glorify God and to grow the church. Two ways that they grow the church are in number because God multiplies, amen? He believes in multiplication. I'm telling you, God's all about math. He is not about subtraction he's a (laughs) that'll preach Uh, he's about multiplication but it grows the church numerically and it grows the church that exists in maturity so the other truth to remember is that everyone can have one you don't have to be the red-headed stepchild amen come on that was funny you you don't have to be the red. You may feel like the redheaded stepchild from time to time, but you every single believer can have one of these gifts. And then the the next three truths are: God, not man, assigns the gifts. As much as I would love for one of you to come down here today, and I pray over you, and I say, God, give them the gift of prophecy. It's not me that gives you that gift. It is God that gives you the gift. Amen? amen. And your gift is not for you. (laughs) It's strange because Christmas gifts and birthday gifts are meant for who? You. But the spiritual gifts that God gives us because he is by nature an extravagant giver, he gives to us so that we have something to give away. It's amazing when you think about it. And then that last truth that we talked about last week is if you don't use it, there is the possibility of you losing it. So you need to make sure that you use it. And today I'm actually going to develop that a little bit further and not say just use it, but develop it. Amen. So um, go with me in your Bibles this morning to Romans chapter 12. We're going to be in Romans chapter 12 today for several verses. And I want to read to you. Uh, what paul says to the church in rome it's really important to know that gifts are mentioned all throughout the new testament spiritual gifts and they've got different orders and different uh, workings or demonstrations and we're just going to talk about them like we said last week in categories so today we'll talk about one category and we'll cover the three that are in there but listen closely what it says in romans chapter 12 verse 4 For as in one body we have many members, and the members do not all have the same function, so we, though many, are one body in Christ. Isn't that incredible to think that in every time zone, over the last several hours and into the next several hours around the world, believers are worshiping the same God together? It's incredible when you think about it. We are one body in Christ. And it says there, and individually members one of another. Let me tell you something that's really important for you to grasp. You are not just a member in the body of Christ. You are a member one of another. You're a member in a family. You are a brother or a sister together. So look at what Paul continues to say. He says, having gifts that differ according to the grace given to us, let us use them. If prophecy in proportion to our faith, if service in our serving, the one who teaches in his teaching, the one who exhorts, or another word you could use there is encourage, the one who encourages in his encouragement, The one who contributes in generosity, the one who leads, lead with zeal, the one who does acts of mercy, do so with cheerfulness. So he gives us a short list here, and it looks like it's all jumbled up, but we're going to pick apart and hone into three specific gifts that are mentioned in a category I called last week, communication gifts. These gifts are meant for the blessing and benefit of the body of Christ. I want to make sure you understand that every spiritual gift should be developed. You say, well, pastor, that doesn't make sense. I mean, God, he's perfect, and when he gives a gift, it's perfect. And, but he, he doesn't make you perfect in the exercise of that gift. I know some really, really dear people who have messed up a time or two in the exercising of their gift. In fact, I can think of a brother that I went to Bible school with who really God speaks to him and through him in a mighty and a powerful way. And he will tell you there are times where he's missed the mark. He thought, okay, well, I think that this is God, but I'm going to say it anyway and then kind of go with it. You've got to learn and develop. You've got to study God's word about the gift that you believe that you have and be able to keep on working on your gift. Amen? We are works in progress, right? And so are the gifts that God gives us. And the second truth that you need to know is this. God always, say that word, always always works within authority and accountability there's a whole message series that i've done before and i think maybe it's time that we start thinking about doing it again but there are many believers who have authority issues and they don't have them with just their boss it stems from having an authority issue in their life in their relationship with god Well, when we talk about the gifts being exercised in the body of Christ, if there are leaders around and if there is good leadership, they will coach and lead you in the use of those gifts. And sometimes that might mean telling you no. And you've got to be a big girl or a big boy and deal with that. So we've got to understand, this isn't just a free-for-all. God wants to work within the context of authority and accountability. You've got to have those in your life who can speak correction into your life. Can I get an amen? Amen. amen? Amen. So the first gift that we'll talk about today, that is a communication gift. If you're taking notes, it is the gift of prophecy. So the gift of prophecy, if you look up at the definition on the screen... It's the ability to speak a message from God for these several different things, either for instruction, for correction, for repentance, for encouragement, or foretelling the future. Notice I put this list together and I put the future as the very last thing. That's not every single prophecy. Every single prophecy does not involve in 32 days you will. It doesn't. It really just doesn't. Biblically speaking, it doesn't, and in real life, it doesn't. So they don't always include the foretelling of of the future. But these things are important for us to know that the gift of prophecy is used to instruct the body of Christ or a believer in the body of Christ to correct the body of Christ. I've been in some services where I believe with all my heart, God spoke directly to someone who was not standing on the platform and they spoke out what we call an utterance or a message that was a prophetic message for the church that was gathered there that day. And my spirit bore witness to it. The circumstances in our church dealt with it or um, it, it affected those things. And there, they were people who had never stepped foot in the church before. So this isn't somebody with an axe to grind. This was a brother who stepped in first service ever, and God spoke to him very clearly and interrupted the flow of our service and gave a message directly to me and to others who were there. It's a powerful thing to to see the demonstration of the gift of prophecy. And sometimes that involves correction. Sometimes that involves repentance. And what is repentance? It's turning from our sin. We love to quote, Second Chronicles 7:14, if my people who are called by my name will humble themselves and pray and turn from their wicked ways, God's people. He didn't say if those wicked, tragic individuals that live out in the world would turn from their sin. He said, If my people turn from their sin. How does he do that? He does that through divine messages coming through the gift of prophecy and encouragement. There are some awesome times of being in God's presence where God simply wants to love on his people. Have you ever been in a moment like that? I know I have and I enjoy that beyond anything else to know that God is smiling and looking down at his people. And the last one is The possibility of foretelling the future. So this gift or people with this gift, they deliver distinct messages from God to his people by means of direct revelation. These are things that only God could speak to the person that they would then deliver the message to you as an individual or to a group of believers. So uh, the gift is mentioned, this gift is mentioned more than any other gift in scripture. And it's been around a long time. If you know what, any kind of context, biblically speaking, there were some men and even women who prophesied in the Old Testament. There were even people who were not walking in the right path with God who, when in His presence, immediately heard a message from God and spoke it out. God did some incredible things through the gift of prophecy. The person I'm talking about is Saul. And you can look up that story later. But this gift is mentioned more than any other spiritual gift. And the gift of prophecy is to be highly regarded. The Apostle Paul put a special emphasis on this gift in 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 1. He says this to the believers. He's not writing to a group of pastors. He's writing it to a church full of people. He says, pursue love and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. He wanted them to have this emphasis in their life and in their understanding that they could ask of the Lord and have the ability to actually prophesy and to speak out for God to his people. Then look at what it says further down in 1 Corinthians 14. It says in verse 37, if anyone thinks that he is a prophet, you better listen good. okay. If anyone thinks that he's a prophet or spiritual... He should acknowledge the things that I'm writing to you are a command of the Lord. If anyone does not recognize this, he is not recognized. So Paul said, if you don't take my word for it and understand that I am telling you from God, then you are not valid. Verse 39. So my brothers, earnestly desire to prophesy and do not forbid speaking in tongues, but all things should be done decently and in order now don't get yourself twisted up we're not going to talk about that little phrase speak in tongues today we're going to talk about that another time so just stay focused right here on prophecy so my brothers earnestly desire to prophesy all things verse 40 is very important all things should be done decently and in order So the gift of prophecy has always been an important gift to the church. When the church was born, our birthday is coming up. Our birthday is the day of Pentecost. It happened after Easter, after Jesus' resurrection. It says that they were gathered in Acts chapter 2 and they were joined together and they were seeking the Lord. And God did something supernatural in their midst. And in that moment, God really did birth the church, the inclusion of not just Jews, but Gentiles as well. And listen to what the apostle Peter says in chapter two, Acts chapter two, verse 16. He's telling the people, uh, he's addressing the crowd. And he says, this is what was uttered through the prophet Joel. Pay attention. Verse 17. In the last days it shall be God declares that I will pour out my spirit on all flesh. Your sons and your daughters shall prophesy. Your young men shall see visions and your old men shall dream dreams. I always thought that was kind of funny. The old men dreaming dreams is because they sleep a lot. I'm just saying. Anyway, verse 18 says this. Even on my male servants and female servants, in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. You're laughing because you do. <laughs> in those days, I will pour out my spirit and they shall prophesy. Men and women, there's no, there's no hold to this It's not just one gender that can prophesy. In fact, it's very interesting to me that four daughters of Philip, who was a disciple of Jesus, walked with him. Those four daughters are mentioned in Scripture as all being prophetesses and prophesying. You say, well, doesn't a prophet have to wear strange clothes and don't they need a microphone and don't they? No, God can use you. He can use you in a small group setting. He can use you on the telephone with a friend. He can use you in a church gathering. Amen? God wants to use his people. So don't hold back. Let him use you. Amen? So Acts chapter 13, if you're just taking notes, you just want to write that down, you can look later. There is a man named Agabus. He prophesies, uh, and when he prophesies, he delivers a warning to the church, and he says a famine is coming, which historically happened in the days that came after that prophecy. He also prophesies to Saul about his sufferings that he was going to bear for the sake of all that he had done to persecute the church. He was not a pastor in the church. He was just a guy with a funny name. Amen? So there's others mentioned. Barnabas, Simeon, Lucius, Menaean, and Paul. They're all mentioned as being prophets in the church at Antioch. So this is something important before we go on to the next one. I want to give you a couple words of warning. The first is this. You are to judge prophecy. So you say, wait a second, Pastor. I thought this was like no judgment zones, like Planet Fitness, like oh, it's God's kingdom. I'm not supposed to judge. Let me tell you, even in Planet Fitness, everybody shooting looks at each other going, are you serious right now? You're lifting five pounds over there? Like it's a real thing, okay? Did you know in the church, we've been judging for a long time. We just haven't been judging right. This message is for some other church. It's not for this one. Praise God. So if you're on Facebook, just share it with somebody. But here's, here's the understanding that I have from God's word directly. 1 Corinthians chapter 14, verse 29, it says this. Let two or three prophets speak. He's talking to the church. And let the others weigh what is said. I've been in a service before in a thriving and a vibrant church. And someone spoke out of turn and delivered a message that was clearly not from God. That's a little bit of a messy situation to see and hear the pastor say, excuse me, you need to sit down. That message is not received by this church today. And it was a message talking about the glory of God leaving the place and God's presence was never going to come back. I mean, it was, it was definitely somebody with an ax to grind. It was not something that was prophetically from God himself. So we as believers have to weigh what is said. I hope this isn't too deep for you, but I want to prepare you to be part of a church that's filled with a variety of gifts. I'm going to say it again. I want to prepare you to be part of a church that has a variety of the spiritual gifts Action in action in our church. Amen? 1 Corinthians 14, later on in verse 31, Paul says this, for you can all prophesy one by one. And then he tells them why that they may all learn and be encouraged. So prophecy is meant. To fulfill these roles in our life as believers. You say, well, pastor, isn't that why God called pastors? You know, if he had something to say, shouldn't he have told pastor so-and-so on Tuesday in his study of God's word? Yes, it's possible. But it's also possible that God wants to do something special for you. Beyond the norm. Supernatural. Here's some ways to practice the gift of prophecy. And I shared them just a moment ago. Um, Share them Share when you have you feel like you have the gift of prophecy and you believe that God is speaking to you, you say, "Well, pastor, how does that whole thing work? It works three different ways. One, he speaks directly through his word, the other that's already printed, you know The other is that he speaks to you audibly, which happens very seldom, but that does happen. and I think sometimes we're waiting to hear, "Oh Sandra." And, and we're not hearing it. The third way, though, is by an impression in your spirit. You are close to God, and God whispers something to you, and it's not audible, but you know that it came from God. Then that is the third way that he impresses those things upon you. So share them on the phone. Don't be afraid of sharing your gift If the Holy Spirit moves you to speak on the phone with a friend, do it. If the Holy Spirit should so move you in our church to speak a message, a prophetic message, whether it's during worship, during the offering, during my message right now, if that's the case, then try it, develop it, and see what the Lord would have for you. So in church gatherings, like small groups, all of those places you can practice the gift, and develop the gift. So here's a very important warning, and this is the last thing before we go to the next thing, if that made sense. When reading 1 Corinthians chapter 14, it's clear to me, and it should be very clear to you, that God desires order. He does not not like chaos. He does not want disorder. In fact, he's not a God of confusion or chaos. I want you to think about that. Every time he shows up, he puts things in order. So when he moves, like I said at the beginning of this message, when he moves within the context of authority and accountability, then that means that our services have to have some order. In fact, Paul addresses that to the people because apparently sister so-and-so and sister so-and-so and brother so-and-so were all just shouting at the same time. And Paul's like, okay, so here's the deal. I'm getting reports that like nobody is hearing anybody and what they're saying, so y'all need to do it one at a time. Yes, the Holy Spirit is moving on you, but you know what? You can hold that thought. Right? I mean, you do it as a married couple, right? Or you try to. I know I fail all the time. I'm like, no, but babe, blah, blah, ba-ba. And I I should practice that more often. Maybe that's why I don't have the gift of prophecy. Um, Because I don't have the natural. Okay, never mind. I'm going on. Okay, so it means, though, if we understand that God is a God of peace and order, it means that if we're in a gathering together and the gift of prophecy becomes a demonstrated thing, then we need to understand that when we honor God and honor others, we're not quenching the Holy Spirit. Like pastors see a bunch of weird stuff in our time, right? Those who are in ministry see a bunch of weird stuff, and I've heard someone tell me before, I can't believe that you would tell me to sit down. or I can't believe you would tell me that that... Well, it's because God put me in leadership in the church, so there's order and there's, there's peace in that place, not chaos or confusion. So if you feel like it's leading to confusion or chaos, you better weigh the words that are spoken. Amen? Second gift, the gift of teaching. So this is, this is a much easier one to talk about, okay? The gift of teaching. It's the ability to properly interpret and explain God's word to others. How many of you have ever had a great teacher? Like, could be just in school, like not in church, but yeah. We've all had a great teacher. Now, the gift of teaching according to Scripture, if we understand it, then it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 12 that it is to properly interpret and to explain God's word to other people. Teachers are listed right behind apostles and prophets, In Ephesians chapter 4 When Paul tells the Ephesians That the Lord gives pastors, apostles, prophets, teachers All those things Teachers are right there in the midst of that I believe that God has something special For those with the gift of teaching And proper teaching is essential to the church If we don't have proper teaching in the church, not just on Sunday, but through other avenues like our children's ministry opportunities and small group functions and all of those things. If we don't have that, then people will go their own way. They'll believe whatever they heard on the radio instead of looking at God's word for themselves. They need somebody to tell them that this is what God's word says and this is what it means. Amen? So teachers are essential to the health and the growth of the church. And if you have the gift of teaching, don't hold back. Find an opportunity to serve. Create an opportunity to serve. Call me and tell me, hey, pastor, I've really been having it on my heart. I really want to fill in the blank, whatever it is. And we will make sure that that gift is not quenched but is rising to the surface and being developed and used in the body of Christ. I can't be the only teacher. Amen? Even in a small church, you can't just have one teacher. You need to have multiple who have different understandings and different uh, sight of the word of God to be able to express it in different ways that you will get it. Listen to how important Jesus thought teaching was. In Matthew chapter 28, he tells his disciples as he's zooming off the earth, leaving them behind. He says this in verse 18. All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples. Wait. How do you make a disciple? You have to teach them something. Make disciples of all nations. Baptize them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And there it is. Teaching them to obey. I feel this statement from the Holy Spirit. The disobedience that's present in many of the bodies of Christ represented is as a result of lack of teaching. There is that willful disobedience and rebellious heart and we all have a sin-sick heart that needs redemption, amen? But there is a lack of teaching that sometimes leads to disobedience because they don't know I've had grace with my kids a time or two um, when they just didn't know better. But once they do know better because of teaching, then I hold them to a higher accountability or a higher standard. Amen? So the same thing is true of our Heavenly Father. So Jesus is telling his disciples, go and teach them to obey all that I've commanded you. And behold, he gives them this encouragement. I'm with you always to the end of the age. So the leaders of a church should be teachers. This is really important. One of the qualifications of the overseers that are mentioned by Timothy, um, or to Timothy rather, in 1 Timothy chapter 3, one of those qualifications is that they be a person who has the gift of teaching. Teaching is supplemental. It's an extra help to those who are called by God to pastor Not everybody who's called to teach is a pastor, but every pastor ought to have the gift of teaching present in their life. Did you follow that? The Bible warns of tremendous responsibility of being a teacher of the word of God. Look at what James chapter three, verse one says. It says, not many of you should become teachers, my brothers, for you know that we who teach." will be judged with greater strictness. God will hold me accountable for the things I said to you. The way that I led you and what I've shared with you from his word. God will hold me accountable for all of you. That's a heavy weight. So Paul is telling them, or it's there in 1 Timothy, like, hey, let's make sure, James don't all become teachers because there is such a strict burden on that you better be careful so you should take it let me let me stop here for a second have you ever been to sunday school raise your hand have you ever been to a lame or a dull sunday school class where somebody just read out of a book raise your hand they weren't practicing. They may have the gift of teaching and they were just being lazy that day, but they weren't practicing what the gift of teaching really and truly is. So there's a greater judgment for those who are teachers of God's word. And then in 2 Peter chapter 2, there's warnings all throughout scripture, but in 2 Peter 2, there's this warning about false teachers. There are people, they might even be on TV airing right now on a Sunday morning, hello, that are saying things that are not of God and his word. So you've got to be careful. You've got to beware of false teachers. And the the purpose of teaching is your maturity. You say, well, pastor, I don't really enjoy going to small groups, Um, you know, being in somebody's house and doing the little Bible study thing. You know what? You need it. It doesn't matter Whether you like it all the time or not, you need to be taught the Word of God. You can't be the only teacher in your life. Man, that's good. That's why we tell people don't stay home, get to church. I'm moving on the gift of teaching has got to be developed, though. The methods change from time to time. The, the generations change from time to time. The things that I say now today, the way that I say them, rather, will change over the next several years. The stories and illustrations I give will change. If I'm with teenagers, I'm not telling them all about my parenting. I'm telling them about when I was a teenager, right? So the same idea is that the development of the gift has got to happen and it's going to be different each time. So proper teaching is essential to the growth and development of the church. And here are some ways you can practice or practically use the gift of teaching. You can become a pastor. We need more of them. If God calls you, please let me know. I'll get you set up with Bible college education and all sorts of things. The other way that you can practically use the gift of teaching is by leading a small group or helping out in our children's ministry. I don't know if y'all know how much you should appreciate Mike and Hope. Let's give them a round of applause. I'll tell them that we clapped for them, okay? But Mike and Hope, they're dedicated. They didn't. They didn't get married how many ever years ago and say, "Ooh, we just can't wait to be in children's ministry." But they do have a gift of teaching, and they're utilizing it in our church. And there, I mean, Miss Hope picked up my my daughter two Saturdays in a row and took her here to the church to practice a skit that they're doing for some series up there and made sure that it had excellence and that all the lines were right and all that. It's not just, and I don't pay her. We don't pay her. We need to bless Mike and Hope, though, okay? Let me just say that on the side. But they've got the gift of teaching, and they're using it. And it's a benefit to your kids and your grandkids and the neighbor's kids that you invite and bring with you. So use it in a classroom. Use it in a small group. Become a pastor or even this one-on-one discipleship. When you meet for coffee, don't just let her or him vent about their week And ask them, hey, what can I pray for you about? And then take your coffee and go. Walk someone through the word of God. Utilize what God has put inside of you, even in small ways. Because if you're faithful with a little, God will give you more. Come on. All right, moving on. The third gift that we covered today, and this is the final one. Another communication gift is the gift of exhortation or the gift of encouragement. Now this is amazing. I love this gift and I want to see it active in our church more so than it already even is. The word exhortation or exhort that's in scripture actually has a root that is the same for the title given to the Holy Spirit. Isn't that amazing? The word exhort is close and it's a derivative of the word that we get parakletos from which is the title or term given to the Holy Spirit which means comforter or helper. If you've ever been encouraged, you've been helped. It's the ability to motivate a person to maturity through comforting them, through coaching them, through rebuking them and even correcting them. Those last two are like, wait, why are those in the list? I thought it was encouraging. (laughs) Uh, Yeah, but here's the deal. Sometimes we have to encourage people out of the place they're in to get them somewhere else. And that that might look like rebuking. It might look like correction. Let me say this. If you don't have relationships with people, they take it really hard. The point is, your pastor is trying to make a point here. Get to know people and have them in your life and be part of the family of God in every way that you can so that you get encouragement. Encouragement. You need that encouragement, not just the comfort and the coaching, but also the rebuking from time to time and also the correction. So this gift, the gift of encouragement, enables someone to encourage others to become mature in Christ. I've had some encouraging conversations that I've been the recipient of that have involved all four of those different things. I've also given those encouraging conversations to others. The gift of encouragement should be active in every church. A teacher should possess this gift. Not all encouragers are teachers. You notice what I'm doing there? Not all encouragers become teachers, but every teacher ought to have the gift of encouragement. They ought to be able to rebuke, correct, comfort, and coach. Jude chapter 3. Jude chapter 3, there's an encouragement here, and I don't know how much you know about the Bible, and I'm not going to try to boast and tell you a bunch of theological things, but if you know a little bit about Jude, he was actually the brother of Jesus. We say the book of Jude, but in Hebrew and Greek, it was Judah. It's a biological brother of Jesus who did not believe in Jesus during his ministry until after the resurrection. And it says Jesus' brothers became leaders in the church. It's incredible when you think about it. And Jude chapter 3 says this. He's writing and he says, Beloved, although I was very eager to write to you about our common salvation, I found it necessary to write appealing to you to contend for the faith That was once delivered or once for all delivered to the saints. So in other words, he switched course because he was eager to write about, hey, this is what salvation means to us. And then something, the gift of encouragement, the Holy Spirit helped him know that they needed to be encouraged to contend for their faith. What does that word contend mean? It means to fight for it to stand strong, to stop being weak, stop being lazy. And so he writes them this letter to help them understand how important it is to stand strong in the midst of the world that they were living at that time. Same thing is true today. Another example in scripture about the gift of encouragement is a man whose name got changed to Barnabas. That is not his original name. But he was called Barnabas, and Barnabas translated in that language meant son of encouragement. Barnabas encouraged Saul. He encouraged him even when other apostles were avoiding him. You can read the story in Acts chapter 9 when the other apostles were like, No, that jerk that drug people off to be killed for our faith, he's now saying he's a believer and he's going to be a leader? No, no. And Barnabas encouraged them and said, You better welcome him because God's got great plans for him. He redirected them. Barnabas' real name was Joseph. He also encouraged a man named John Mark who failed in his ministry. John Mark, I have so much I could say about John Mark. And John Mark, though, in the New Testament, if you read some of the story, there was a major disagreement between. The Apostle Paul and this young fella, this young gun, John Mark. And so Barnabas actually is trying to help be a peacemaker. This is a cool side note. The gift of encouragement is always present in the person who is a peacemaker. It's just natural. It's how it works. They go together like peanut butter and jelly. But a disagreement over John Mark caused Paul and Barnabas to end up going separate directions. Paul said, you know what? I'm not going with you if you're taking that guy. He left me high and dry, and I don't want any part of him. Do you know what happens later in Paul's ministry? He writes in 2 Timothy chapter 4, please bring John Mark back to me. He's so useful in the ministry. How would he have done that had he not been encouraged by Barnabas to do so? Did you know that things that get disunified in the body of Christ can get fixed in the same body of Christ. Like you don't have to leave it and join somewhere else. The gift of encouragement can work in the body of Christ. That's awesome when you think about it. The Bible tells us in the New Testament that there are one another's. There are statements that are made uh, all throughout the New Testament that says you are to love one another. You're to pray for one another. You're to all of these things, and one of those is this, you're to encourage one another. So my warning about the gift of encouragement is don't cop out and say oh well I'm sorry it just it sounded like that it's just I haven't gotten the gift of encouragement. No, we should all be encouraging one another in our walk with the Lord. Amen. But there are those who have the gift, a supernatural gift from God to encourage others. And we need to be thankful for those who have that gift. You, you might ask, well, how do I use that gift? I've told you how to use the gift of prophecy. I've told you how to use the gift of teaching. And now I'll tell you this. The gift of encouragement, it's, it works best with your mouth and your hands. People need to hear that they're loved by God and loved by you. They need to be encouraged and the only way that can happen is through our voice and maybe through a written letter and through that form is okay too but understand you've got to do that and then you say well how else can i practically use the gift of encouragement you can do it by using your hands to do something in the life of someone you say well what is that you could visit the sick you could visit the elderly you could join a prayer team you could join together you could be actually you could be a counselor a lot of counselors have the gift of encouragement you could also join our first impressions team that stands out there and greets everybody hey good morning you're looking great today welcome to celebrate church that's not a show that's actually naturally who they are they're just filled with encouragement And so we need to be those people and to pray that God would give us more of that in our life. Would you stand with me today? I'm so glad that you didn't tap out. I know that not everybody here, just like we've talked about in this series, not everybody here has the gifts of prophecy or the gift of teaching or the gift of encouragement. Maybe none of those three work in your life. But here's what I wanna say to you. I want us in every one of these messages to be thinking about What gift do I have? What gift do I want from God that I can pray and say, God, would you help me to really use this? And then pray that simple prayer we pray so often. Don't ever let it lose its meaning. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Because I believe that God still speaks. Church, you better get loud. We got one lady here who believes that. I believe that God still speaks, amen? He doesn't just use me, he speaks to you and he wants to speak through you sometimes too. Would you lift your hands just in a posture of surrender? Let's close our eyes in God's presence for just a moment. I know it's probably a little bit awkward for some of you, but just bear with me, your hands aren't gonna fall off, your arms aren't gonna break. And just say that simple prayer with your mouth, with your heart. Holy Spirit, what are you saying to me? Holy Spirit, I pray that you'd speak to every genuine heart that prays that prayer today. God, would you fill Celebrate Church with people who are filled with your love, your spirit, and your giftings. God, would you help us continue to grow and develop in these gifts? You can put your hands down if you're uncomfortable. Keep your eyes closed. How many of you have a need in your your life, your home, your family, something going on, and you say, God, I need you? Just lift up your hand right now, wherever you are. I want to pray for you today. I believe that not only does God still speak, but he still sees. God, you are the God who sees. You know the hair on our head. You know the days of our life. You know the burdens of our heart, oh God. You know the circumstances that we're walking through. I pray encouragement on your people today that are struggling with whatever those things are on their heart as they lifted their hands. God, that today you would make a way where there seems to not be a way that you would deliver where deliverance is needed, that you would bring freedom and, Lord, that you would bring peace in the mighty name.